0: Hey, Emily. Hey, Greg. When you got out of uh, quarantine in Edmonton to start attending games again, was it like in a movie where someone gets out of prison and the sun hits their eyes and they're just blinded by it and they squint and uh, you just you look back at the wall behind you and you have the little, the little slash marks written on the wall to tell you how many days it's been? Was it like that?
1: Um, no, it was like I got to the rank and I was just so awkward in every human interaction because I hadn't <laughs> seen any humans in two right. weeks. So it just took a little readjusting back to society, but uh, I think I'm okay now.
0: I think we're all struggling with that for the most part. I mean, those of us who maybe have been in some some states that are like been super locked down since March, like I've I've tried to interact with other humans occasionally and just find it to be very weird. Like I don't, I don't know what to do with that anymore like i i feel like the interactions i have person to person i look at them and say this would actually be less awkward if we were both on zoom at this point and that's an <laughs> that's, that's a, a sad, weird place to thought. be it's a sad thought <laughs> right it's a sad thought what was it like get back to the rink though
1: the rink was cool i mean it kind of dawned on me i hadn't seen live hockey in more than six months and yeah. then i thought of how many people are not going to see live hockey for Probably a year, a year and a half. And that was mm. really, really depressing. It is freezing at the rink. They are pumping the air a little bit more, but you don't realize how much body heat actually warms an arena um, mm. and the doors opening and closing. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is the sound. Um, you know, we've I've, I've been talking, you and I have been both been talking to a lot of players last week. We have this big confidential story out and we've been asking guys about the game sound. And in Edmonton, the in arena noise is much quieter than it was in Toronto, but it's also off. The synthetic Mm -hmm. crowd noise is like a second or two off because Mm. it's happening live as opposed to the TV where it's a five-second delay, and Mm -hmm. it's really weird.
0: Disorienting, yeah. What was it like seeing the trophies being uh, handed out in an empty arena?
1: It was cool. Um, You know, you could hear them a little bit more of what they were saying as they were all kind of jostling and and joking and and getting themselves into position. (laughs) Um, The lightning also were the people at the end of the Academy Awards who decided to bring the entire staff out. Uh, we counted, there was 48 of them on the ice, which is fine. I mean, honestly, every single one of them deserves to be there. Everyone has made a sacrifice, oh, um, yeah. but it was pretty humorous. Also, it's just funny because John Cooper has the reputation of these playoffs of being the latest to all Zoom calls, and I was like, oh, this dude is not getting up there until midnight. He was fine.
0: Got to get the gaffer, the best boy, all the people up there for the Oscar presentation. Got to mm-hmm. do it. I like Steven Stamkos being on the ice, although he did sort of have that, like, my older brother just got home from rehab, kind of looked to him a little bit. <laughs> just kind of awkward. But hopefully we see him again. I love that guy. Um I-, I feel so bad about like the the injury history he's had, especially in the playoffs. All right, coming up on ESPN and Ice, we are of course gonna break down the Stanley Cup final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars, and we're gonna do it with one of our favorite people, ESPN's Linda Cohn. You know her your lover. Uh plus my God, John Taffer of Bar Rescue, also now doing some work for the NHL with a new series in which he makes cocktails remotely with Hall of Famers. We're going to talk about that and much more with him. All that and more on this edition of ESPN and Ice. Let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey, featuring things
2: to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on Ice with Wyszynski and Kaplan.
0: All right, joining us now is our old friend, you know her, you love her, She's the, the face of hockey on ESPN, for goodness sakes. Whether we have hockey or not, it's Linda Cohen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, we and... always have it in our mind, you know, You know, type of thing. We believe we still own it, and that's good, and that's how you have to live your life. And thanks for having me, Greg and Emily.
0: No, no problem. We ha- always have it in, in, in some little corners, you know, like you go on Plus, and there's Quest for the Cup, and there's obviously In the Crease. Uh, they've got the old games. There's going to be a Gretzky thing that be... saw that's happening. Yeah,
1: the Gretzky thing's amazing. It's the detail show that Peyton Manning has been doing, where he's breaking down his old games. Um, and it's on ESPN Plus. Nice, yes. good company uh, talk we've got right now. There Love it.
0: <laughs> it's right, All right. Linda. Yes. we've got ourselves the uh, Dallas Stars, Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's let's start off though with a, a team that I know you're familiar with. Those those pesky New York Islanders. Yeah, uh, what were your, what were your thoughts about the uh, anti-hockey that they played in their last two games of the series against the Lightning? Yeah. And, uh, and the- I'm telling you. <laughs>
3: Glad you brought that up. Uh, Listen, I love Barry Trotz, obviously, uh, you know, arguably the best coach in the NHL, if not the second best. And, uh, you know, he sees what he has with that roster, and he put together a perfect system for that roster. Uh, Game five uh, was a snoozer until the second overtime. I thought I was seeing a game in October, with all due respect to both sides. It was, and I mean the real October, right? You know, the October before. (laughs) Okay? It was just like, what am I watching? I mean, can anyone get a shot on goal? And, again, the Lightning were just as at fault in Game 5. But then Game 6, they picked it up definitely, obviously, both teams, and especially the Lightning with Braden Point. But getting back to the Islander question, still a tremendous run. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely. I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, you know, uh I, you know, I did pick, if I recall, the Lightning to win in 6 because I knew after the last series – The Islanders were for real, and I love some of the individual performances that we saw that even Islander fans were shocked about. Uh, First and foremost, Semyon Mm Varlamov, and second, Mm -hmm. a guy like Brock Nelson. I mean, you knew guys like Matty Barzell and Beauvillier, and those guys would show up, um, you know, in some respects, but to have that kind of career type of memories that those two put together uh, were really great. So Islanders uh, have a lot to build on moving on, and of course... They got the greatest coach, you know, Barry Trott. So he'll find yeah. a way. Right.
1: The wild thing about Semyon Varlamov Bar- is he had the best postseason he's ever had in his career. He signed under contract. And next year, he's got to go fight for his job with some rookie, Yeah. Uh, Ilya Sorokin, who they bring over from the KHL. So that's going to be fascinating. Seeing what they do with their salary cap is going to be fascinating because they've got to pay Barzell. I believe they've got to play Devontae's and hellick maybe um yeah. and, and they don't I have a Pelek. lot of money under the belt so it'll be fascinating
3: but linda yeah yes. you talk about the lightning i love the lightning <laughs> i, <laughs> I want to know what I you them i don't care if you don't believe me look it up it's well who, documented who i picked the lightning Why i know I, I picked the lightning before the normal season started i just believe oh, they're going to come back from that disaster yes i did so i picked them and uh, i even don't tell anybody I never bet, but I put money on them in Vegas, and so if they win the cup, <gasps> I win some change.
0: What kind of knows. juice did you get on them? Do you remember the odds? I
3: put a yeah. It was like you know, it wasn't great. I th- I think I'll win. I put a hundred down. I'll win eight hundred bucks. That's
0: good. That's I know. Solid. I'll take it.
3: I know, yeah. but you know, not. I am objective, and I'm very impressed with Dallas, but I'm still a, l- a little bit more impressed than with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But let's get back to the Lightning. What was your question? <laughs> Okay, well, this is what I want to know. You know, I
1: think everyone is talking about Steven Stamkos not being there. We're talking a lot about Brayden Point because he's been so dominant. But the guy that I've been fixated on in this series, and Victor Hedman, too, is getting a lot of love, but it's Nikita Kucherov. He is Mm -hmm. playing... All over the ice, a ton of minutes. He's putting up a ton of points, but he's also looking like his emotions are getting the best of him. Like that slashing and hacking that he did, uh, you know, at the end of Jeb J- Paggio. And then also, you know, when he may or may not have lifted his own stick to give himself a four-minute minor. No, that,
3: uh, so I'm did just not curious do what Come you on, think about was, him in the series. That was a real high stick. Um, here's the deal. Uh, I love seeing it. I really do. You know, a lot of people in the past have thought a lot of a a player like Nikita Kucherov, elite, skilled player, obviously. We know how talented he is. We we know he's an MVP uh, type of player, and he has been. uh, But we, we didn't see the emotion. It almost like, hey, why don't you care like I care? right? And yeah. so, boy, I think it's refreshing to see him with his head down on the bench, huffing and puffing. It's refreshing to see him marked up a bit. It's refreshing to see him all bought in and carrying the load. And like you said, doing it all, Emily, uh, filling in as best he can the void left by the captain, Stephen Stamkos. So I think that's a rippling effect throughout this team. But you mentioned Victor Hedman. That's my Conn Smythe pick. Uh, This guy is pulling a Brian Leach, and you knew I'd get the Rangers in here. (laughs) Um, He is pulling Brian Leach. Uh, Remember, 94, when Brian Leach won the Conn Smythe. So it's really, we'll see how far Victor Hedman can carry this. But as we all know, nine goals in the postseason. Truly remarkable.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, a real a real Scott Stevens like performance. Um, so oh, please,
3: the... <laughs> without taking people's heads off, yes, you're right. <laughs> so,
0: so listen, the the thing about Kucherov that's interesting is that I do think he can get emotional in the past, but it was always in the negative. I mean, you think about that series against the Blue Jackets; he gets himself suspended for a game in that yeah. four game Good sweep. Good point. Good so point. I think it's kind he of learned. keeping. He learned, right. And, and and that's my point. I think the thing about this Lightning team that I find really interesting is the—and and this is probably why you picked them to win the Cup before the season—the yeah. education, the process, the overcoming the mistakes of the past to become the team they are now. And they've done it in a couple ways. One, they're no longer putting themselves in situations where they're going to be all stressed out and, and, and face adversity. So— You know, you win the five overtime game against Columbus. You don't go to a game seven against the Islanders. Like, they're doing the things that you need to do to not put yourself in these precarious situations where you're going to melt down. The other thing they did, though, is they addressed what was deficient last year against Columbus, which is you need certain guys in your lineup that are going to be able to create their own offense through. You know, going into the corners and mucking it up and getting a, a dirty goal. You need guys like Pat Maroon. They're going to stand in front of the goalie's face and block out the sun. You know, you need guys like Kevin Shattenkirk that are that are veteran hands that can play in your lineup and do a lot of different things. They they addressed all of these things in such a brilliantly uh, efficient way because they're already spending a ton of money on this team um, that I think all of those little changes are the reason they're here now in this final. And they
3: got a lot of hungry players too, right? You know, yeah. you mentioned mm-hmm. the Kevin Shattenkirk, who's been cast aside by several teams, obviously before winning the Cup. I mean, it's just been, you know, two of his teams went on to win the Cup, you know, St. Yeah. Louis and Washington, right? <laughs> right? So, you know, and you got a Ryan McDonough, former Rangers captain, who came close obviously going to final losing to the Kings. So you got you got hungry guys. I love a Zach Bogosian. I love this kind mm-hmm. of guy, mm-hmm. you know, really adding depth to that back line, um, help You know, helping out in so many ways. But and adding, the we see it. How many Stanley Cup champions have we seen in our lifetime that have added key players, players like you just described, Greg, at the trading deadline or in the previous offseason, realizing the void that they needed and then those teams going on to win the Cup? We've seen it several times, multiple times. So I think one of the things
1: that's not talked about enough about this series and, you know, I'm 12 hours into knowing the matchup maybe it has been talked about, but it's going to be a big and heavy matchup. Like the Dallas Stars are a team that surprised a lot of people by how big and heavy they were playing. And I'm just curious in general what you think of the Stars because I think there was a lot of people who were saying, oh, if the Stars play the Islanders, that's going to set hockey back 20 years. But I don't know if the Stars are necessarily boring. I look at them as a very adaptable team this summer under Rick Bonus. They've shown they can play a bunch of different ways. Like what Stars team do you think is going to show up in the Stanley Cup final?
3: Let me tell you, the win over Vegas surprised me because I also picked the Golden Knights to go to the cup final, but they were Thatcher, Mm -hmm. Demko, and they never got out of it, right? (laughs) I mean, they just were like, oh, my God, we cannot score. We can put 5,000 shots on net and hit 5 million posts but uh, we're not going to win games. And I think it got into their head, and credit to Anton Hudobin, who picked up where Demko left off in the Vancouver series. But getting back to Dallas, I was so impre- impressed with games four, especially game four. It was game four against Vegas when I really realized, wow, uh, when I saw Tyler Sagan blocking a shot with less than two <laughs> minutes to go in regulation, <laughs> I'm like, this, this team could win it all. And so, really, that was the moment. I think it was the Tyler Sagan block shot moment when mm-hmm. I realized that this team can win it all because they're not like the Islanders. They have, um, with all due respect to the Islanders, they're going to need some more, create some more offense. Um, mm-hmm. Dallas has that offense. They have opportunistic players. They have veterans who can put the puck in the net. You know, the, the Radulovs, the Bens. We know the names. You know, the Rantas, You know, those kind of things. Um, And that is the difference. That is why it won't be a snooze fest. That is why we're not going to see Dallas turn into the Islanders against Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup final. This is going to be very difficult. And even though I picked the Lightning to win in seven, um, I would have picked them, you know, I was going to pick them, like, before Dallas impressed me, I thought Tampa was going to win in six. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I still think Tampa's going to win, but I'm not as confident as i was before because of what i've seen from the stars so far and i would not be surprised if they end up winning the cup i really wouldn't be and they're good enough to do it
0: i have a theory on on who wins the cup each year okay i think it's i've always said this that it's the team that has the best storyline for the commemorative dvd or blu-ray that comes out <laughs> about the team okay. so like so like the Blues win because it's their Do first cup. They still have
3: those by the way. Did they still have the uh, It's probably it's around? probably
0: like digital download now on okay, Amazon okay. or whatever. Just double checking. Just so double like check. the Blues win the cup with the Gloria thing and it's their first cup ever. The Capitals win the cup it's their first cup ever and Ovechkin wins and the whole thing. You know, you go back in other years there's these little quirky stories on why teams win when they win. And I'm struggling on this one because I feel like both teams have a little magic to them. You know, the Lightning get kicked in the teeth last year. Uh, they've been trying to chase this cup under john cooper for you know several years they they end up winning every elimination game in overtime and they win a five overtime game and they're doing it without stamp coach. like there's a lot of sort of like little storylines on their side of the equation but i mean you look at dallas right you're talking interim coach who's 65 years old oldest coach in the league uh you're, you're talking about uh you know this team Doing the things that they've done in the playoffs and winning these 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 uh, these dramatic games and you know pulling upsets left and right, and then the thing that's really kind of pushing me over the edge on Dallas, even though I didn't pick them, but I'm, I'm, I might regret it. <laughs> the "We're not going home" thing. This yes. Rallying cry where they mm-hmm. give the player the like hubcap on a chain with the Dallas yes. Stars logo on. I don't know what the hell it is, but they give the guy the thing. And then they all skate. We're not going home. And I'm like, Oh, that's like Gloria. That's like, that's like the thing that you look back on. And then, you know, 20 years from now, when Tyler Sagan's got a beer belly and he's going up to the microphone at the team reunion when they won the cup and he's like, we're not going home. And the whole crowd cheers. Like that's the thing that you remember from a championship team. And it makes, it gives me pause to think that maybe the stars are the team with a little bit of magic on their side, even though I picked the lightning in six.
3: Rick Bonus reminds me of the whole Craig Berube thing, right? Guy replaced Mm -hmm. in mid-season. You know, uh, different reasons for Jim Montgomery compared to Mike Yao, but... Uh, still, the guy come wasn't there at the beginning and rides the wave, and the teams buy, team buys in. The other thing is the Anton Hudobin story. I mean, we mm-hmm. would all would have thought Ben Bishop would have been the guy, but he's been a disaster. Whether it's been hurt or when he get get, you know, I have a feeling he was even hurt when he got blown out in there. I just don't think he's always getting hurt. Great guy, but he's always getting hurt. So the you know Anton Hudobin story is great. You know, played in every league in our in our on earth, not in our country, not in Canada, on earth, okay? And, you know, there he is, like, um, everyone, they all love him. They play hard for him because he's a character. He's like the old school goalies, you know. Back in my day, the Gilles Graton with the lion mask, you know, like just nutty, <laughs> crazy goalie stuff you know now he's not going to do a belly slide like Varlamov which was ill-advised but good video but you know he is just fun and they play well for him you know people have used the uh, comparison right to a Tim Thomas who mm-hmm. you know I don't I, I don't buy that as much I just you know I just think Hudobin is so much more well liked by his teammates and so mm-hmm. that's another great storyline but definitely there are enough to go around
0: well we, we also have to find out if he has a bunker too that's really the thing about- <laughs>
3: in idaho <laughs> 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 all
0: right listen we got it this is we should talk about this in in, in the big picture real quick yes this okay. is the first sunbelt final um it's been a big year for sunbelt teams like we, we had our first sunbelt winter classic with dallas and nashville yeah. that is the was first this year time, allegedly allegedly right like 17 years ago uh <laughs> and then this is the first time that we're getting uh, you know, two quote unquote non traditional market, quote unquote Sunbelt teams in the final against each other with Tampa Bay and Dallas, which is a pretty cool deal. Um, I hope people watch. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I do feel like the casual hockey fan is more attracted to the final, obviously, when you have a Boston or a Philly or a Pittsburgh or, or, or Chicago more recently in there. Um, but I think this has the potential to be a real fun series. Like, there there could be some nastiness. There's a lot of personality on both teams. Um, they're both playing really well, although I do wonder how close to E on the gas tank the Lightning are at this point watching them against the Islanders where their their power play was being uh, run at like one-third speed last night. But I, I think this final has the potential to be a real good one, uh, provided that uh, both teams are playing up to their potential. What do you think, Linda?
1: When you say yeah. I hope people yeah. watch. Yeah. The one thing I get worried about there is that the ratings are going to be low and everyone's going to say, oh, it's because it was the lightning and stars. And it's like, no, it's because every sport on earth is playing right now and it's hard to get some real estate. (laughs) You know, that is
3: so true. Um, There's so many things I want to go to. Maybe I'll take the last one first. Emily. You're so right because I know these last two games, uh, Tampa and the Islanders. You know, it, it, they weren't as compelling. Last night was compelling, but the, the the game five was not. And it's just when you go up against these other sports, you lose. There's just it's just a reality. I mean, it, it's uh, you know, me, you, Emma. We're all all hockey fans are going to watch this, but it's going to take social media to get people. I sit there literally thinking. I was so happy the thing went into overtime, believe it or not, because I'm like, all right. The Browns at that point looked like they were running away with it. Of course, they didn't. They barely beat the Bengals. But I was already in my mind thinking, can they get more viewers via social media? people saying, oh, we're on to overtime. Maybe people Mm -hmm. will turn over, you know, Mm -hmm. type of thing. So that's number one. And then Greg... Um, you know, maybe it's just because we're diehards and, and we cover the sport, but I don't look at it that way. I didn't even think about that. Isn't that something? I think that's a victory. I didn't even think about, oh, wow, this is the first Sunbelt Stanley Cup final. Yeah. because You know, and, and that's what I'm hoping fans do. I'm not saying that you're not right regarding Original Six in the Stanley Cup final, the Chicagos, the New Yorks, the big markets. Um, you know, New York Rangers, sorry, not New York Islanders, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> For you, Greg. I did that for you. But, uh, you know, so, but um, it, it's more like um, I think it's going to take seriously social media, which also, you know, rules the world in every other aspect. Well, it should start helping. Hockey. I think that will gravitate, but I bet you that first game for Tampa is going to be a tough one to win. If the Stars don't win Saturday night, I mean, that's a game they should steal. I, they don't yeah. get rusty. They should steal that game. You know, the Lightning, obviously, as you guys know, is still getting over, still getting the physicality back, still getting their legs back, still getting their mental, you know, mental state back. And, and um, Dallas should take game one. But I think as this series goes along, you're going to get more eyeballs to the set.
0: Well, I think two things on that. First of all, one thing that you and I are kind of both talking around is the fact that even though these are non-traditional markets, like Tampa, Tampa, Tampa is one of the best hockey markets in the NHL right now. Like as far as fan support, as far as local ratings, as far as everything else, they've really actualized. Or just the stuff
1: being... they did in the community to raise yeah. participation in the sport.
0: Totally, yeah. They're they're a real legit hockey town. Um, the other thing that you said that I think is interesting is on the social media front. Yeah. Look, look. It's been a it's been a fun playoff. It's been a weird playoff, obviously with the bubbles and everything. It's not exactly been the most controversial playoff. You know, we haven't had moments of huge flashpoints of violence and multi-game suspensions. No one licked anyone. Yeah. the The biggest controversy we had was an agent tweeting out a sword in in his client's back. Right. That's the biggest controversy we've had. So I'm not saying that I want to see anybody hurt. I'm just saying that sometimes in the playoffs, when things get physical, things get controversial, and maybe there's a little bit more attention on a series than there would be. Do you know what I'm but saying? But you know
3: what, I do. But that's what kills me about what goes on in the National Hockey League is the fact: why do we need something controversial for people to watch an amazing sport with players I- playing an amazing level this long into a bubble? I mm-hmm. mean, it's ridiculous. So every time, and I and I, there's a lot to what you said, Greg. But it's still – I frown upon it when that happens, when the only time mainstream sports talk shows are talking about hockey is when there's something controversial.
0: That's true. I mean, like, think of the times that the the NHL has ever appeared on the the Today Show. In my lifetime, it was, like, the Bertuzzi hit. (laughs) And, then like, some of the other things that have happened were – if hockey's on the Today Show, you know something horrible has happened, basically, is what what the deal is there. Um, All right. Well, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No – I mean no, I
3: just I wasn't sure that today's show was still on the air. But go ahead. <laughs> <on. laughs>
0: That's the one with uh, with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, I believe. Right?
3: That's the one I watched. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, didn't yeah, know exactly. that was... The, thing they the got morning a show. Curl. He was ruining yeah.
0: it. Yeah, he was yeah. ruining it. All right, he listen, just just to put a bow on it, I'm saying light, lightning and six, and and like you, I think I think even though either um, Kucharov or Point will lead them in scoring and point definitely has a case based on like some of the goals that he's scored. I real I can't imagine that Hedman doesn't get the consmite if they win the cup. I think I think you're right on that one. So I'm yeah. saying Lightning in 6. What do you say Linda?
3: I said Lightning in 7. I was going to go 6, but Dallas has impressed me enough to say it's going to give the Lightning and needing another game to get it done. So 7. Lightning right. 7. What do you say? Lightning 7 Hedman boring. Stop? Yeah, Hedman days. is my guy. You know what? Sometimes it's you okay to be boring. Call. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine.
0: You can't chase you it. Know? And he's
1: having a heck of a series, man. It's it's not just the goals. And the goals have been not just like the numerous number of goals, but the fact that they've all come in response of Islanders goals.
3: Yes. Great point. He's playing Absolutely. like 30 minutes a game. Yep. Absolutely. Fantastic point. It's that's how it is. That's why I compare the Jamie Benn thing. Jamie Ben mm-hmm. has always led the like. Let's get them back in the game. You know they're down one mm-hmm. nothing. Jamie Ben scores or Jamie Ben puts them yep. up one nothing. You know that's why to me, um, you know Jamie Ben has lit a fire for them, and it's just. And then how about that moment? Was it last night or the game before when? Uh, who was it on the Lightning that didn't pass Victor Hedman the puck and he was wide open and he? I think it was Eddie Olchek pointing it out that he had a look of like. What? You didn't pass me the puck. I didn't open <laughs> shot. You know, so that he is really, you know, locked in. Like, L- let's Linda, do this. Yeah. 2000- Two
0: thousand nine draft. You're the Islanders. You have a chance to do it all over again. Do you take Headman over Tavares?
3: Oh yeah, oh, uh, yeah. I well, I. You know what? If yes, if I had to do it all over again, but if I was there at that time, you know, you have to go with JT. Right. And, you know, here's the, all these Islander fans, okay? You know, ripping Uh-oh. Tavares. Yeah, I. You know, uh, could they have used the John Tavares during this postseason? The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, can we? They needed, they needed their own Braden Point. They needed their own. They don't have that. The Islanders right. need someone like that, uh, a creator, a, a spark. So it's just an offensive. Kind I think it of, I don't could know be Barzell eventually. Yeah, he it was a learning experience. He had a tough game last night as you know, like those like three turnovers yeah. late, were a disaster. Um he just looked uh, it, he's going to learn from it and you're right. Maybe it will be him, but they could still use somebody else to help him out. I bet you there'll be like you mentioned several changes on that team. Um, yeah. with Lou and Barry there, you know, they're going to make it happen with into the new building too, you know. You that's the thing. I mean, with the new building you really, you know, wouldn't be great to get like uh, a stud added to this roster to mm-hmm. open up that new building.
0: Are you trying to who's say out people, there, Greg? people don't want to fill Belmont for one nothing games? Is that what you're trying to say?
3: Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. I that's mean, a fair you point. know, it's a great building, but uh wonder who's out there. So who's out there? Who, who could they make? Come on. You, who could you, they you get? Guys. I don't know. Yeah. You yeah?
0: know, well, you got to remember, it all depends on what their internal cap is, because now we're in this weird that's place right. of like financials. Also, Lula Murillo. I'll say this about Lou,
3: he's Your never guy. shied away.
0: He he <laughs> he remains my guy. I mean, I know. I mean, and, and, unconditional and maybe, love. Maybe unconditional even love. more. Maybe it. even more so because like the Devils have gone through t- are now in like their second rebuild since he left. Yeah. but like, yeah. I think I think he's never shied away from from uh, bringing on big name veteran yeah. talent to augment a lineup. So I'm interested to see what they do. I, I and think by veteran, he, you
1: mean he's going to get every 35 and older player in the league, right? He's precisely. Get, he's getting Parise I, I, back. Is that his big move?
0: Yeah, that'll be as big a move as getting Prezzy back. But like, I, I I agree with the sentiment that um, even though the Islanders have the makings of one of those Florida Panthersy kind of fluky teams that trap their way to the conference final or the Cup final, yeah, like I think the ages of some of their key players and what they have in the system tell you that they're they're this isn't the last we'll, we'll hear of them. I think.
3: Yeah. Hey, you know what? Um a topic I don't know if you guys have been talking about, but I am very intrigued by in the off season uh the goalie sweepstakes. All the goalies <laughs> that are out there, <laughs> some that could be traded, uh Marc-André Fleury. Mm-hmm. Um what's going to happen with Lundqvist? Is he going to retire or is he I going, saw you, you know?
0: retweet that thing that yeah. uh, that foreign language interview that uh that somebody did saying that Hank kind of said goodbye to the yeah. Rangers. Yeah. Do you think and he I retires to be Do you think he retires, or do you think he he comes back and plays somewhere else?
3: Yeah, I made the comparison, and and Emily, you can chime in a sec. I I made the comparison of, like, is he going to pull an Eli and say, that's it? I only want to play for this franchise and just walk away. The writing is on the wall. I I have something left, but I'm still going to walk away. Or is it going to be a Tom Brady, you know, and, and say, I'll show you. I'm going somewhere else. Uh, the only difference is they have combined to win eight championships, and Henrik Lundqvist <laughs> has zero. Um, so I, I don't know because let's face it: what team, what team would consider at his age Henrik Lundqvist to be a number one? Mm. And and why do you go be a number two? And what play thirty games tops thirty five maybe? Um, I'll tell you why you do it, Linda. Yes, tell me, Emily. Because you
1: saw the Stanley Cup tournament in 2020, and you realize if
3: Michael Hutchinson can start Mm. in the second round, so can I. Mm. Yeah, I love it, Emily. And so I've always rooted. I've been saying this for the past three years. Henrik Lundqvist should have left, gone to another team, and tried Mm -hmm. to win a cup. There are teams that could use a Henrik Lundqvist to add depth to the goaltending. And now we have two goalies. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like the old days with the number one, you know. Unless you're unless you're Pete DeBoer and the Golden Knights who just said Robin Leonard, we're rolling with Robin Leonard. And I <laughs> yeah. love Robin Leonard, but I'm sorry I, he did not make a big save down the stretch. I'm sorry. I, Maybe I, I
0: you think know? they keep I think they keep Flurry. I think they work out, they figure it out to keep Flurry. I do. Um because of, of how compressed the season's gonna be. And it's it's sort of nonsensical to try to like you know, why why go out and, and get an unproven commodity when you know that you have two good goalies in a season like this? Um, also, there might not said, be any
1: takers for him because yeah, the it a, a saturated market, right? Yeah, and,
0: but that said, like man, I'd love the place. I'd love to see him is Carolina. Like, I would love to see oh, Flurry play for the, for Carolina. Yes. That'd be amazing. I think he'd be oh. perfect for that team. That's a um, great
3: point. Well, I got a question for you because when I was thinking oh. about the Lundquist thing, it's the same thing like with Flurry. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we know Matt Murray is probably not going to stay with Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. correct? All right, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you Maybe. have now. You think? I mean, uh, maybe no, they're shopping I don't him heavily. He's gone. Yeah, so I mean, Tristan Jari, are they going to really go with him? Because that's what I was thinking. That would be so cool for Lundqvist. Um I'm not saying Flurry would go back, but a Lundqvist to play with his arch rival Sidney Crosby and help them win a cup and play, you know, uh, back you think together. The,
0: the the blood is that bad between Flurry and the Penguins because they chose Murray that he wouldn't go back.
3: Keep going. I mean, Flurry would always take the high road. That's a very sure. good point.
0: And you know, and you know, like you know, Sid's walking into the office. I, oh, you know, I would really love, uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, I love, you know, getting flower back. I love Sid. Don't
3: make fun of him. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, I love that because the red carpet would be out for Flurry. Um, you're right. Sid would be all about it, and that would probably be more than Vegas and sticking around and watching Robin Leonard get the bulk. To st- you know, to s- go back to Pittsburgh and see Tristan Jari get the bulk, I think Flurry would be fine with that. I mean, I just—it's a different animal. I'd love to see it. I don't want you know. I want those two to whether it's Lundqvist or Flurry. I just really want those two to find the right home. Aww. I hate to see those two hanging out on a bench, you know, trying to be supportive. And Flurry was just that. My goodness, patting everyone on the back every time. You know, he's just a great human.
0: Indeed. All right. That Linda. was a goalie
3: love. That was a goalie love segment. Sorry, I had a yeah, Well, that's why we up. have
0: you. We know that you have such affinity for goaltenders, and, and that's yes. why we need. And it's going to be a fascinating a couple of months for you. And on a nice, warm, and
3: fuzzy note.
0: Precisely. Precisely. Thank Linda, you, Linda. Y- you're the best. Where Where can people find all your stuff these days?
3: Okay, so um, that's a great question. Um, always <laughs> hosting. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm usually always hosting in the crease on ESPN plus with Barry Melrose and we'll continue to do so all through the Stanley cup final with a back-to-back games. I don't know what's going on with that. Emily, back-to-back games in a Stanley cup final. What is, with they that? want everyone what? to get home as soon as possible. I thought NBC wanted a Saturday night game. I thought that another one that thought that was that <laughs> and
1: they have to do hockey night in Canada. It's actually more of a sports net CBC thing. Sure. Okay,
3: good. All right. We got that out of the way. And um, also, um, I host um, uh, the Weekend Playbook radio show on Sirius XM channel 82, 11 to 3 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday and 11 to 1 Eastern time on Sunday. And SportsCenter eventually. And <laughs> just like, can't do that. I'm trying to figure out how to do SportsCenter from my home. As I told you at the beginning of this, mm. I don't like leaving the apartment. So... <laughs> uh getting back in his studio is uh, it, uh, i'll get there but um yeah so i think that's a bunch of stuff right there and follow me on twitter at linda Cohn.
0: do it thanks linda you're the best
3: thanks for having me guys
0: all right the great linda cone giving us all her knowledge a couple more little housekeeping things before we uh, get to john taffer are, are we going to have a referendum on puck over the glass penalties now emily like it, it, we've seen it in the islander series Obviously, the Dallas series ends when Zach Weichelb puts the puck over the glass, power play in overtime. Um, there's always been sort of a thought of this should be a penalty that has a bit more discretion for the referees. Do you think these are the – is it going to be like we need to see the hand pass thing before we make the hand pass rule kind of deal like we saw last year? Or do you think that this is a rule that will be untouched despite some of these instances?
1: Ooh, untouched in the time of coronavirus. Be nice. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm not sure there's a total appetite to change it. I I feel like after the white cloud uh, play happened, there was a sentiment around the league of like, man, we feel for that kid. He busted his butt in these playoffs. It was a really unfortunate penalty, but it's a penalty and stuff Mm -hmm. happens and your team Mm -hmm. had chances to close it out and, and so be it. So I don't think we're going to see a rule change um also i just feel like there's so many other big things on the bucket agenda items as it comes to these gm meetings and these board of governor meetings where these type of things are discussed that this is falling down to agenda item number 97
0: and a half right exactly they've got other fish to fry and plus the gm meetings are probably going to be held over zoom so i mean really how much time do they really want to spend on any of these things uh handshake lines you of course once again praise the glory of the handshake line i responded with a puke emoji uh because i don't like them let me clarify because i don't know if i necessarily clarified this the last time we talked about this it's not that i don't want these guys to congratulate each other okay it's fine sportsmanship whatever in my uh kayfabe world they all hate each other and want to beat each other up at every point they see each other in the in the hotels and want to throw each other into the pool that kind of thing I know that's not the case. They all train together. What I would like is it not to be so formal where you're forced to do it, where even if you are so miserable that someone stole money from you and took away your championship glory that you got to go shake somebody's hand, I would rather it be more like soccer, where you can kind of have this moment where you mull around, or at the end of NFL games too, you mull around. You go congratulate the guys you want to congratulate. You're not forced to shake the hand of the guy that hit you from behind in game two and almost broke your back. Like, you just do it more informally than having the full handshake line. That's that's my point on this, Emily.
1: I hear you, and I want to be as respectful as possible here because the <laughs> inherent thing we're talking about is respect. I just <laughs> think that you are not really understanding the spirit of hockey players in this. And if you made it optional, I still think every single player would line up because as antiquated as this league can be about certain things where guys don't use the pronoun I, where they don't market players individually, um, where their media policies are just so short-sighted and limiting the scope of the sport. There's something so beautiful about the respect that players have for each other. Um, Mm -hmm. Where they are hitting each other from behind and wanting to rip each other's teeth out and hair out and lick each other and spit on each other and do all these things that now have been shadow banned because of the coronavirus. Um, At the end of the day, they respect each other. And and I think it's just a beautiful thing. And I think it's a beautiful um, example to set for people that, you know, especially young kids, but really anyone in society these days, you can go as hard as you can um, and you can be really competitive and you can respect someone else who's doing the exact same thing.
0: Thanks, I hate it. Emily, you also (laughs) wrote a uh, a incredible story that dropped uh, today as we do the podcast about the family situation in the bubble um, and the the lack of family in the bubble, to be more uh, candid about it. You spoke to a player who said something very interesting, which is that I I hesitate to use the term bait and switch, although I would imagine some players feel that way about other things that may have been presented to them as being options in the bubble that never materialized. But the sense that you got in reporting out the story, is there a bit of animosity towards the league in the way that this kind of didn't happen? Or is it just sort of maybe an acknowledgement of the Canadian government, the travel restrictions, everything else maybe being a bit more stringent than they expected?
1: You know, I think there's frustration with the league. There's also frustration with the PA because let's Also remember that everything about this tournament has been jointly negotiated, and the PA has been on all these calls with the government. Um, You know, I've had a couple conversations with players this week. One guy, and I said, you know, it kind of feels like moving the goalposts. He's like, that's exactly it. That's what happened. It just felt like we were told this, then we get there, and they said— okay, well, this is the situation. We're like, well, that's not what we were told originally. And then a week later, we were told something else and something else, and it was just a lack of transparency. And mm-hmm. they're like, it's fine if this can't happen to uh, for us. Just be upfront about it. And, and I think just a little bit of a lack of communication has guys really frustrated. Um, and, you know like we talk about hockey hockey culture they're bowing their heads they're largely not complaining you're not going to hear guys rip the nhl or the pa about this but um they're upset and you know greg i'm sure you can agree with this any player you've talked to recently and you ask about the bubble next year um they say you know what maybe in the stanley cup final maybe if this is what we do if i my salary and the league are on the line and it's all going to fold if we don't do it like i'll probably do it but for the whole regular season Hell no. And the biggest reason is I don't think you could figure out the family aspect. Yeah, One last thing. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I I didn't put this in the story because I actually had this conversation with a player after I filed it. Um, but his a player with young kids. We were talking about the NBA bubble. And I was like, yeah, you know, they have school there. And he's <laughs> like, when I saw that, I was so pissed. Why didn't we even think about this? Mm, um, and mm. I, I thought that was fascinating.
0: The the thing that's been floated, in it's something that you and I reported on um last earlier this month or last month again time has no meaning anymore is the idea of potentially starting next season in a bubble just to to kind of get some games in uh push the opening Mm -hmm. of all arenas down the down the line a little bit maybe closer to when a vaccine might be available for covid and you know the sense i get from the players i spoke to is that's a non-starter but i've also kind of heard the same thing you have which is you know well, if it means, you know, getting paid or not getting paid, or if it means playing or not playing, it's one of those things that maybe they revisit. But, man, regular season games in the bubble just seems like it is not going to happen if the NHLPA has its way. Um, no. And I
1: also think that it's just going to be too expensive and not feasible for the
0: league. Yeah. Yeah, With when you when you start pricing it out for 31 teams instead of 24 and, and that number constantly dwindling, you know, as you go on as well.
1: And, you know, this is something I didn't put in the article, and maybe it's a little irresponsible for me to say it right now because it is just kind of a theory. But a couple guys had floated this to me about families in the bubble. The NHL is several million dollars already over budget with this tournament. Like, they have spent more money than they probably imagined. It's all unchartered. The NHL kind of agreed, we're going to fly these families out and charter them, and that's expensive. Mm-hmm. And maybe there was some kind of, you know, backhand thing where it's like, you know, Maybe we don't need to charter in, you know, dozens of people from all over the country and continent. Um, And maybe that's, you know, and I do think that the government was a roadblock, but, you Mm know, there's a thought there. There, There's some rumblings.
0: How much is it also just like, do you think there's a part of it that's kind of like, hey, we're at the final. Everything has worked out incredibly well from a COVID standpoint. Maybe let's not screw with that.
3: Um,
1: I think so. But also there's... Protocols in place to integrate people in yeah. um, and getting positive tests. And another thing I keep hearing from players is it's damn secure. Like the fences are almost too much. Like, like you really they call it the prison direct because they felt like prison. Like once you're inside, it really is secure and there is a spirit amongst everyone that like nobody is compromising this.
0: For sure. All right. Let's talk to a man who's never compromised in his vision for how to <laughs> fix your bar. Our friend John Taffer joins the show. All right, joining us now on the line, John Taffer. You know him from Bar Rescue. He's got a new gig with the NHL brought to you by New Amsterdam Vodka called Pre-Gaming. It is a uh, conversation between you and NHL legends and people of hockey renown. And the one I saw, you're on a Zoom call with Brian Trottier and you're making Bloody Marys. Yes.
2: <laughs> I am. It was awesome. And I got to tell you, I grew up in Long Island, Greg. So, so you know, in the early 80s, when Brian won four consecutive cups with the Islanders, you know, that to me was unbelievable. It solidified my relationship with hockey, to be honest with you. So Brian had a large part in making me a hockey nut. So it was great to have him on. And you know what's cool about it? It's a very conversational format. Mm-hmm. You know, TV is a little structured. Uh, it's a lot more like your format, you know, in radio where you can have nice conversations with people. So it's a blast.
0: Well, it is a blast, and I mean, it must, be, it must be a nice change for you to not have to tell Brian Trache that he's got uh, cockroaches in his walk-in freezer or something. You know, that's or, uh... throw,
2: or have to throw food at him. Yeah, who the heck wants to do that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. My so my I grew up a Devils fan, but my dad was a huge Islanders fan. We used to have all this uh, dynasty memorabilia in our basement growing up in New Jersey. So uh, that that franchise does have a part of my heart a little bit as a hockey fan, as it does yours. And this run that they've had in the playoffs to me. There's something, there's something latent about that fan base where I feel like if the Islanders ever played for the cup, then you would just see this explosion of fan, of people that loved that team in the 1980s all rise up and be like, it's time to celebrate this franchise again.
2: Oh, I completely agree. You know, it's interesting. The first few years of of uh, uh, the Knights are incredible to me, as you as you know, Greg. The victory song for the Knights is "Viva Las Vegas," right, Elvis mm-hmm. Presley. When we went to the Knights games, that inaugural season, they won every game at home, if you recall. We never knew there wasn't a song other than Viva Las Vegas, (laughs) that there was a lost song. So (laughs) it was a fascinating relationship that we developed with that team. It reminded me of my relationship with the Islanders back in the 80s. -hmm. They just won and won and won. It was unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't know, John Taffer is a uh, Golden Knights fan. He's a season ticket holder. He and I actually had a chat during the cup final a couple years ago in Vegas. And it's funny. um, A lot of people don't, when Vegas fans say that they've been through a lot, there's always a sneering about it. You know, like you're only a three-year-old franchise, but the Knights have packed in a lot of pain in in three years, losing in the cup final. What happened with San Jose last year, if things maybe go awry this postseason, that's another ounce of of of, uh, of pain and anguish. Not necessarily; they're not Leafs fans. Like they're not they're not they're not decades long uh, of pain and anguish here. But there's it's not all been uh, champagne and roses for the Golden Knights in these three years.
2: No, we've had huge disappointments. When we saw that five minute Reeves penalty the other day, that brought back a lot of bad memories <laughs> for a lot Knights fans. You know, we all felt that. So, So, yeah, it's been a struggling. You know, we're rookie fans in Las Vegas. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of them are rookie fans. So they're not used to to the disappointments that come along. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not like a Chicago Cubs fan or another type of fan who's used to losing and then coming back every once in a while. So it's been an interesting experience in Vegas. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I think that the fan base in Vegas is, is a large part of the success of that team. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's the truth Greg I also think that you know the October 1 massacre in Las Vegas the timing of the season back then created a real connection between that team and the city is one who's had Blackhawks season tickets when I lived in Chicago uh, Rangers tickets when I lived in New York and now Knights tickets in Vegas there's some kind of an emotional connection with that team that I bring back to the Vegas massacre that's a little different than with other teams in my perception And, and we'll
0: see to your point You're absolutely right, and anybody that was in that building or watching on television uh, when, uh, I believe it was Derek Engel gave that speech on opening night uh, with with all the first responders there, it it was an incredible thing, and it it speaks to the bond that that team has with that city, and it's that bond that I was thinking about the other day when I realized, because there's no preseason, you forget these things, that the Las Vegas Raiders are starting this season, right? So I find it to be so weird, because if you told me five, ten years ago, that a football team, an NFL team, was finally coming to Las Vegas, and they would be the second-class citizen to a hockey team. I would have thought you were nuts, but I think that's the case right now in Vegas. I think the Raiders come in to a Golden Knights town. Is that fair to say? Oh, very fair to say.
2: Not only that, they had the pressure of how Vegas did in its first season. So the the Raiders are feeling a little pressure now. You know, you're right. They come in underneath the the uh, Knights and. And there's a skeptical market that's saying, let's see if you guys can be as good as the Knights. And I think they're going to be challenged to step up this year. Vegas is expecting it. Mm-hmm.
0: It's an interesting dynamic, Greg. It very very much is. All right, now listen, you are a Vegas super fan. Um, have, you, have you had any uh, interesting interactions with any of the players uh, during the last uh, three years of your Vegas fandom? Uh, are they aware of you? Well, sure. have, you have you used oh, them as, sure. uh, as, 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 uh, as play actors in your bar rescue uh, uh, spy missions?
2: dare I say, Nate Schmidt and Ryan Reeves did a bar rescue with me, which was unbelievable. They did rekind in it. So, so, it was pretty amazing. Tough Revo, who I love, right? Confident, you know, sort of cocky confident, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Revo, uh, 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 I'm starting to throw food and I'm going nuts on the owner. And I've never seen Revo have this look of uncertainty on his face
3: like he had. It, it
2: was it was uh, pretty unbelievable. And Nate's sitting there, and I'm throwing food, screaming and yelling and going nuts. And I think they said, you know, this might be more violent than hockey. You know, more intense <laughs> than hockey. But, you know, we've developed a nice friendship. And Revo's been on my podcast. And, and uh, I just spoke to Nate the other day on my podcast. And we were talking oh, wow. about how, uh, uh, how much the bubble has affected the game. And, and, you know, Trotty and I were talking about that the other day. where, where uh, uh, You know, it's interesting. Nobody gets to go home on game three. Mm-hmm. there's no shift in that dynamic and mm-hmm. you know they were talking about how that's affected players you know you drop you, you go to another city you're happy to come home with one of two mm-hmm. and then you land on your home ice or vice versa so you don't have that dynamic this year and Nate was telling me how it's almost made his game better in a way Greg mm-hmm. that you know the distraction and Bobby was talking about this the distraction of uh uh to family and tickets and everything going on in the arena and there's no distractions. It's them, their stick and that puck. And I think that there's a certain intensity uh, that they're getting in, an, in almost an introverted kind of way, Greg, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that they're playing now. I think they've been playing some great hockey.
0: Yeah, it takes it takes it changes the dynamic of everything. It ta- changes the dynamic of, of having no travel, of of having yeah. no fans there. The whole thing, but you know the no fans there thing was making me think of you too because I mean, Lord, you're the Golden Knights. You make the conference final. How much money does that pump into everything around T-Mobile Mo- Arena on the Strip, and and in Summerland, and when people come to the practices? I mean. The oh, amount of money that's being left on the table right now by the NHL having yeah. to be in these bubbles it has got to be absolutely staggering for some of the bars and restaurants around those arenas, yeah? yeah?
2: You know what's interesting? When you go to a game in Las Vegas, about 30% of the arena are fans of the opposing team. You don't see that in any other city. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is the casinos have bought blocks of tickets, so they have travel package. So people from Winnipeg come in for games, people from Montreal come in for games, Chicago. So you go to a game against the Blackhawks, let's say, and dawn a third of the uh, of the arenas in red, and there's so many of them that the Blackhawk chant start in the ninth <laughs> arena. Yeah. But It's an interesting dynamic. You don't see that in many other arenas where that presence of the opposing team is there, but it creates a certain excitement. But Greg, that's a lot of room nights. That's a lot of yeah. hotel rooms. That's a lot yeah. of drops in slot machines. And, yeah. you know, cause, uh, Vegas proved that hockey worked with regard to tourism.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not only that it worked in a market like ours, that people would fly in from another city. To see a hockey game and enjoy that city while they were there. So right. the Vegas Golden Knights model really proved itself out from a local fan standpoint and a, and a tourist fan standpoint.
0: Right. Uh, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty for bars and restaurants around the U.S. Um, every everywhere has been affected. Some cities more than others. Yeah. You yeah. you are uh, putting stakes down though. You are starting a your own franchise, Taffer's Tavern. And I have it on good authority that you think it could be one of the safest restaurants in the world as we all try to maneuver our way back from COVID.
2: It is. It's it's actually an interesting story, Greg. About two years ago, I realized, uh, I'll call it right before the pandemic, uh, the restaurant industry couldn't find any labor, right? Unemployment was so low, we couldn't find employees. So the casual restaurant model didn't work. You couldn't get enough people to fill your kitchen. So I said, I'm going to create the restaurant of the future. So about a year and a half ago, I started working to create the kitchen of the future with robotics and computerized Mm. cooking systems and cooking with light and ultraviolets and looking at the greatest technologies. And I put this together, put the franchise in place. We sold a bunch of franchises and COVID happened. And then we realized, wow, we have the cleanest, safest kitchen in the world. We have less surface (laughs) area. There's no contact with food at all. So we realized, wow, we have the safest we created the TAFR Safe Dining System, which comes right down to the way employees enter the back door of the restaurant, uniform changes, sanitation processes, food handling processes, and we're really excited. So we open uh, uh, in about three and a half weeks here in Atlanta, in Alpharetta, wow. Georgia, and, you know, we're really bullish, and the restaurant industry needs a little excitement right now. And, Greg, you know, it's interesting. The restaurant industry is really suffering, as we both know, big time. But, you know, the minute we get a vaccine, the next thing people are going to do is go out to dinner. So I'm the kind of guy who says, boom Boomtown coming. I mm-hmm. think in March, hockey arenas start to really fill up again and the energy comes back because we'll have mm-hmm. our vaccine around January. So let's figure 60 days to cycle through. We're back in the arena. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're back to dinner. So I'm very bullish right now mm-hmm. on, on where we're at. And I think that, that come March – that we will be back in the arena and we will be back in restaurants and bars.
0: But so I think we are coming
2: out the other side of this soon.
0: As an expert on this though, it does sound like, you know, despite the fact that every, every restaurant uh, and, and bar in the, in the country and in the world, in some cases is trying to, and, and arenas are the same way. They're trying to find a way to sell people on the idea that you can come back and that it's going to be all right and that we, there's yeah. protocols in place. But it sounds like you think that the, the ultimate solution will eventually be when a vaccine is available, where where the majority of people will feel comfortable coming back. Would that be accurate to say?
2: Well, in a sense, Greg, But I've done a lot of news uh, stories and, and uh, uh, from my house these past few months. So I predicted, and it turned out to be true, a third of the population came out right away. Those mm-hmm. are young people, people that are fearless, don't fear, fear the virus at all. They're out right now. Mm-hmm. The second third of the population is the reserved third. They might be guys like, like you, Greg. You want to wait and see. If it mm-hmm. looks safe, right? people wearing masks and systems, if it looks safe, then maybe you will start to come out a little. Mm-hmm. Then there's the third third. That's the certain third, I call them. They're the ones, they're not going anywhere until there's mm-hmm. a vaccine. They're a little older. They have a little more disposable income, too. But, you know, so we're going to see these thirds happen. The first third is out now. Mm-hmm. The second third is starting to come. Post-vaccine, we'll see the third third. Fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, though, from a hockey standpoint, in the arena, as you know, Greg, hockey is not a cheap sport to go to as a fan. Correct. So having, having fans with disposable income is very important to us uh, uh, as hockey people. So, so we're not going to see that infusion of cash back until the 3rd, 3rd comes out, which will be around February or March.
0: Very, very. Those good. are my good predictions. I like those predictions. I think, I think you're – we just did a story, me and Emily, the other day about the predictions that some of the team presidents are making, and I think it's kind of in line with what you're looking at. Start, you might have to open up a little empty, but then as you get yeah. into the season, you, you can get some people back. All right, well, you, you've, got, you've got the lot going on. You've got the Taffer's Mixology, which is you've got these, these, uh, these cocktail mixes. That's the one you use to make the Bloody Mary with Brian Troutier. Uh, yeah, and we I'm also happy... have a seltzer line. You have a seltzer line, too? What is that? Yeah, we do. So we have a seltzer line, seven flavors, Taffers
2: Craft Carbonated Cocktails. They're in, I believe, now 19 states across the country. Mm-hmm. Available in Walmart as well. And so are the mixers. So that we have that going on. And then we have Taffers Tavern going on as well. And, right. and a, a new book that's coming out soon. So I've been a busy guy during this lockup.
0: Apparently, well, let me ask you. My last question is about Taffer's Tavern. Because here's the thing. Okay. my 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 two favorite my three favorite things about Bar Rescue are when you uh uh, you find out how bad it is when you're sitting in the van and you find out how bad it is, and then I like when you yell at people. Obviously, we all do. (laughs) And then my my third favorite thing is when you do the rebranding of the bar um yeah. you know obviously everyone knows the the citizen kane of bar rescue episodes is when you rebranded the pirate bar as a corporate bar uh but yep. uh, <laughs> uh but there have been others how much pressure was there on you to name your restaurant knowing that part of your gig is telling people how bad their name the name of the restaurants are
2: that's funny you know when i did my market <laughs> research the taffer Uh, I was, you know, do I put my name? Is it, is it Taffer's, you know, Ace Bar? Is it, is it Taffer's Bar? So I did a whole bunch of market research. You know, you have to separate yourself from the brand, Greg. There's you, the individual, and then there's you, the brand. And they're different things. You know, they they have different uh, approaches and you position them differently and such. So, yeah, I put my name on it, but that puts a lot of pressure. When your name is on that sign, you better not screw up, Greg, right? It's Mm got to be right. It it affects Mm -hmm. everything else that you do. So I'm really proud of it. The food is awesome. I mean, I can't wait to see you there, buddy. But the food is awesome, and, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. But make no mistake, that pressure is on me.
0: Very cool. Good stuff. All right. John Taffer, the show is pre-gaming. You can, you can find it on, I imagine, all of the NHL's social networks. It's presented yep. by New Amsterdam that definitely knows its way around a hockey sponsorship. Uh, Brian Trottier amongst the guests. It's good stuff. I enjoyed uh, watching the stuff I watched from it. And uh good to hear from you again man. I hope the Knights go on a nice long run uh and bring it home this time. Uh well, I mean, let's uh, I had them in the final against the Lightning. I had the Lightning winning. But if they make it there, who cares? Either one of those teams is deser- deserve a champion. So, yeah. I hope they yeah. they do they, they, well, they do you good.
2: That's great, buddy. Well, if they make it to the cup, Let's have, let's, get, let's get together again have a nice talk.
0: Love it. All right, John. Thank you so much, man. You too, buddy. Take care. <laughs> Our thanks to John Taffer. As you know, Emily, the inventor of the butt funnel at uh, bars in which you funnel people together through a small opening to other parts of the bar. I don't know if the butt funnel can still exist in a COVID world, but you can't take that away from the man. He invented the butt funnel. Um, Reader Mail, a couple of folks chiming in with questions for us. Louis Martinez wants to know on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you to see the Dallas stars in the final? I'll put it at a, At a seven, I am concerned about the defensive front that they put up against Vegas maybe repeating a little bit of what we saw in the Lightning Islander series. In full disclosure, I also picked the Knights to win, and a Knights-Lightning final would have been real exciting too. But I'm very excited. to. I, I find a lot of things about this Dallas team endearing, and so I would say it's about a seven for me on that scale.
1: You know... Oh, man, I feel like we're agreeing too much lately, but I'm kind of at a 7-2. And mm-hmm. honestly, my reasoning is there's is a team that hasn't been here in a while. They've been yeah. good for a while and always on the cusp. And they're a team that's peaking at the right time. They've gotten better in every single series that they've played in. And I'd much rather have that than a team like the Islanders. And look, I have so much respect for the Islanders, but the way they played that 5 and 6, like I don't want to see that team keep playing. They've run out of gas.
0: Boring. Mickey Doft wants to know, who is the gritty veteran from Dallas or Tampa that you most want to see hoist the Stanley Cup? Ooh. uh, I mean. I've got an answer. Yeah, go ahead.
1: For Tampa, it's Zach Bogosian. Because he's had an incredible career. Um, You know, number three overall pick didn't really work out. But this season alone, I know this happened this year. He was in Buffalo. They <laughs> wanted to get rid of him. He asked for a trade. They couldn't find him a trade. He didn't report to the minors. We thought he was out of the league. And then for him to go and be a top-pairing defenseman and earn this. And I talked to him for that family story. And just an overall really good dude. So that's my guy.
0: I think the the real answer is Joe Pavelski. Uh, just mm, because of the time answer. he put in with the Sharks and their failures. And, and then, you know, obviously they don't want to give him the, the, the term that he's looking for. So he goes to Dallas. And, and to win there would be incredible. I think the 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 personal answer is probably Anton Kadobin, just because of him taking over the crease from Ben Bishop, he's in his mid thirties and he's been around for a while, right? So the, the idea that this guy kind of comes in, takes over the crease, has the playoffs of his life, and then you know leads them to a cup would be pretty cool to see. Well, also just to see the Russian exuberance as he lifts the cup over his head as well. The <laughs> because... chicken
1: wings and beer bring it.
0: Indeed. Uh, Finner wants to know, how long would Emily have to stay in Edmonton to develop the Toronto hatred complex? Do you hate Toronto, having spent enough time in Edmonton already? Are you uh, brainwashed?
1: Um, I've only been free for like 48 hours, maybe a little more. So I think give it like 10 days. Yeah. Then I'll be... Uh,
0: then, yeah. then you'll just, 10 days. you know, lo- loathe the big Toronto media, center of the hockey universe stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Why do, why do people go, mm-hmm. whoa, go to TSN, they is talk about the Leafs. Uh, Jamie Ling wants to know where and when will Gerard Gallant coach again. We'll talk about uh, the Capitals' job in a second. He obviously was up for it. I mean, the more you think about it, the more that Seattle job seems like it could end up being something that they 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 end up given to Gallant, given his experience in such situations. I I mean, I'm very wary of that. I don't. I think it's very difficult to capture lightning in a bottle. Um, but there is something to be said for the experience that he has in dealing with this extraordinarily unique situation what about you
1: the thing with Seattle's I've been told they have authority to hire whenever they want to um, mm-hmm. like from ownership and so whenever they feel like their candidate's about to get hired by someone else they'll swoop in I still think that they're gonna go with someone outside the box just because of the way that organization does they kind of get right. off by being different um for galant i see him you know i don't know what the season's gonna look like but if it was a typical season i see him as that first guy hired in november when one of the teams that you expect to be really good struggles and, and he can just come in and be a quick fix so i don't know who that team is but that that's the situation i see
0: i still wonder whether he ends he would have ended up in dallas were it not for what bonus has done this postseason i think that's a real yeah. unanswerable i'm question. in
1: a This is another little topic, but uh, we haven't really talked about the fact that the Dallas owner is in the hospitality business and doesn't really have much money these days. And look, bonus, if he wants to, should be the coach there next year. And Jim has pretty much said he's earned it. What if he gets into a bit of a contract dispute? What if they don't pay him a market price? Or if they win, what if he goes out on top?
0: Listen, I think if he wins, he should go out on top. But um, that's a good point, too. And uh, yeah, we haven't talked about the fact that like – What a, what a, what a Twilight Zone episode, right? Like you finally, Mm -hmm. your investment in this team and, and Tom (laughs) Gallardi has spent a good amount of money on this team through the years. Finally pays off. You make the cup final and there isn't a single soul in your building giving you ticket revenue in the playoffs. That is, that is a just a, just kick in the stomach if you're that guy Mm -hmm. on top of the money you're losing in the hospitality industry. I feel really bad for him actually. Um, all right, now it's time for our favorite segment of the week. Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. No, he does not love to eat hot dogs. Our weekly, our weekly look, look, at look at sad at hyperbole, hyperbole and, and strange narratives, narratives of the, of the hockey media. media. Good one, Randy. Good one. It's Phil Kessel loves hot dogs, the place where we talk about the uh, foibles and mistakes in the hockey media. We've talked about Mark Spector in this spot before. Um, in particular, the way that he frames his questions with... Hour-long preambles, but that's fine. Every, to each his own. Everybody's got a different style. I do want to bring up, though, his questions recently to Yoel Kiviranta of the Dallas Stars, because the preface for these questions, and you can see the look on Jamie Ben's face when he asks them, the preface for these questions seems to always come back to, Yoel, you know, uh, back in Finland, uh, no one knows ya. You know, no one's ever heard of ya. Uh, you're, you're just—it's almost as if you've been living underground in a sewer. Uh, your entire life and uh and now people m- might know your name they might be aware that you exist uh but you know for the most part you're like the the gum on the bottom of somebody's shoe there you know and uh so how does it feel to be known now is, is and he's asked this question twice i think basically during this, <laughs> this playoff run and both times i'm just like man what is going on i mean yeah okay so he's not you know like um uh, uh, sasha Barkov or something back in home but like come on man i mean it's pro player let's assume people kind of know him or whatever i don't know it's just kind of weird uh all right now it's up for puck headlines <laughs> that's
1: one of my favorite phil has a loves hot dogs in a while
0: <laughs> well that's why we do the segment uh dateline washington uh the capitals hire peter Laviolette. <laughs> Lo- like i was hoping he's my guy i think they would have gone on full player revolt had it been babcock i think there would have been a, a fan revolt if they, it had been babcock um, I think Laviolette strikes the sweet spot between being a player's guy and being the disciplinarian that they need. Um, I, for what this is, which is a short run, a three-year window basically to try to win a cup with this group, I think he's a real good guy to bring in. I don't know. I don't know about you.
1: I agree. I loved your tweet when you were like, "It's the porridge. It wasn't too hot. <laughs> it wasn't the Babcock. It wasn't too." Uh, lukewarm a little cool like uh, yeah. gerard galan it was just right, just right. Uh, yeah no i think it's perfect and honestly the biggest thing here is the money the fact that he's making what more than four million dollars a year and this is an ownership group that has been so over to pay for anything other than players in the salary cap um you know they they do this after furloughing a lot of their uh, back-end people so mm. it's interesting to see them make this commitment
0: yeah for sure uh dateline minnesota once in future uh, guest, Bill Guerin uh, making moves. I don't know if this is one of these deals where like the new boss comes in and, and it's like, well, we certainly have to change the color of these paper clips, kind of thing. Or if these are all going to be real big moves that end up helping the wild in the long run. But trades Eric Stahl to Buffalo for uh, Marcus uh, Johansson uh, and then uh, immediately says Mojo is going to be a center, which, of course, is something that both Buffalo and Washington have tried to, to no results. Um, he signs Jonas Brody into a long-term deal, threatens a potential Matt Dumba trade probably for a center, and says goodbye to Miko Koivu, who is uh, moving on from the organization after spending his entire career there. Uh, lots of moves from Billy G in the last week in Minnesota.
1: The stall for Johansson trade I really do feel like is moving paperclips, where it's like, here's two veteran players. We know they can play well. We just need to change the juju in our locker room. We need to change mm-hmm. the vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Stahl, you've been great for us. Thanks for your service. But, dude, we got to ship you and, and try something else. And it's hard to make moves right now. It's hard with the salary cap. It's hard to move a player like that, um, a veteran, with some trade protection. And, God, how hilarious is it that he didn't even put ba- uh, Buffalo on his no-trade list because <laughs> he assumed they would never want him?
0: Right and i and i gotta give kevin adams who i've uh affectionately referred to as kevin from business business administration am i writing about him because <laughs> after all he did come from business administration um it's a good trade man like veteran center to play behind jack eichel maybe a guy that knows jeff skinner a little bit although they didn't play on the same line from the carolina days to kind of maybe get his head right and uh um, a good veteran to have in that room um, for a team that needs more of them. So that's a, that's a real shrewd pickup. I like that move a lot for Buffalo, as, as I think most people did. Uh, Dateline, Florida. Big changes for the uh, Panthers on several fronts. Bill Zito bringing in Paul Fenton uh, from the Wild, who I still think is a real good assistant GM, although he couldn't really handle the big job. Uh, and then also Blake Jeffrey comes in uh, as an assistant GM. Um, and then one big move that uh, perked a lot of eyebrows up was Mike Kitchen not coming back for the Panthers as, as an assistant coach. That came after a TSN report uh, that, that uh, said that uh, Kitchen has been accused of kicking a player on the bench during a January 20th game. Um, timeline on this is real interesting because January 20th is just over a month after the NHL basically said they had a no-tolerance policy for coaching abuse, uh, and yet he you know finished out the season. So I, I wonder what the ultimate story behind that situation is, if the team, apparently, and they did, knew about it in January. There's just a lot brewing with the Panthers
1: these days. There's also, you know, they finally get rid of Dale Talon, and then it's um, alleged by an anonymous tip that he used some kind of racial language while in the bubble. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I really feel for Zito. It's a great situation in that um, there's good foundational blocks there. He gets to shape his vision. He was given the five-year customary term, but... He's got a lot to clean up, both, you know, on the ice and and it seems like there's a lot of things off the ice where he's going to kind of have to play uh, a little bit of politics uh, behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, this is the house flipping show where all of a sudden the flipper realizes that the addition on the house wasn't up to code. uh, Yeah, there's a lot of
1: asbestos in the one (laughs) corner they didn't look in.
0: Right, exactly. So good luck with that. Uh, Dateline St. Louis. One of, the, one of the feel-good stories of the postseason for sure, uh, or season or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, Jim Montgomery <laughs> gets hired by the Blues. Uh, you all know what happened to him back in in December. Uh, gets fired by the Dallas Stars for conduct detrimental to the team. Seeks help for alcohol abuse. Uh, actually moves his family back to St. Louis. He played for the Blues back in the day. And uh, gets another shot at this thing from uh, Craig Berube and, and Doug Armstrong. And uh, rightfully so. Tremendous coach. What you're seeing from the Dallas Stars is the foundation that Jim Montgomery laid there, augmented in the months to, that followed by uh, Rick Bonus. Um, but a lot of the fundamentals that you see are Jim Montgomery's fundamentals with this cup finalist team. So I was real happy to see him get another crack and probably needed to do the assistant coach thing uh, to kind of show proof of concept before he got another head coaching job.
1: Yeah, the one thing I hope is that he still remains transparent about his recovery. Um, yeah. You know, when he did that first interview with the media, with the blues, um, he talked about, you know, being sober and his sponsors and the vetting process he had to go through. And I just think it's so healthy the more we normalize this and then normalize the things that people go through and say, hey, you can be open about it and, and, you know, get a second chance as long as, you know, we show some transparency and commitment. So that, that's my one hope.
0: For sure, for sure. Finally, uh, Dateline, all you people. Come on now. We got some great news uh this week uh from our uh, our big bosses regarding the show uh traffic uh up, listenership up. Um which is great because it's like the summer and it's bubble hockey and uh we even knew uh what the heck this was all going to bring. So, um you know, the, the the years we've done this show have been great and and the uh audience is constantly growing and more people dig it and we can't thank you enough for that. I mean, it's uh you know, when, when the big boss has passed along good numbers, it means that uh, our work is getting noticed, and our work doesn't get noticed if it's not for you. So we appreciate that.
1: Exactly what Greg said. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that's all there is to say. There's nothing to build on that. And it's hard for me because I tried I, – I just did something very sincere without any cynicism. And you know, if you do listen to the show, you know how difficult it is for me. So. Thank you. Yeah,
1: we should send it now. Let's, yeah, let's right. just end it it's right a, now. It's a slippery
0: slope into the into the dark abyss of my soul. But <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks to Linda Cohen for joining us for that segment previewing the Cup final. Thanks to John Taffer. You could watch his show um, on wherever you get your NHL social media stuff. It's a it's a it's an interesting time, and John's an interesting character. And as you can hear, he's got a lot going on in life with the, the Taffer's Tavern and all that other stuff. Um, Thanks for listening. Check us out at ESPN.com and uh, continue to follow Emily up in the Edmonton bubble. And uh, that's the show. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.